Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Prue Warren. I now have two published novels, making me an absolute ignorant beginner. Thankfully, I am here with someone who is not an ignorant beginner. Hi, I am Meredith Bond. And uh, Prue, (laughs) you had some questions. I had some questions. Today, we're talking about the difference between show versus tell. And very often, especially new authors are told, show, don't tell. Now show that, don't tell that. And it just makes me confused and kind of angry because showing and telling are the same thing to me. And I don't understand the difference. So you and I were talking about How are we going to prepare for the next podcast? And I said, well, it's going to be you instructing me. Do you want me to find some examples or something? And you said, sure, you can go find some examples if you want. I'm like, I can't find examples because I don't know the difference between show v. tell. So I'm I'm kind of, I'm a little unhinged on the subject and I need your guidance. What the hell is the difference between show v. tell? (laughs) Smarty pants, go ahead. Okay, so the difference, When you tell a story, you say, so she did this, and then she did that, and then he came and did this, and and she said, oh, my God, can you believe, and you're telling a story, right? Okay. Okay. So far, so. So when you tell a story, you are relating what people did and what people said. Okay. Right? When you show a story... You are not only relating what happened, you are allowing the reader to live it. Okay? Okay. Already, I'm sitting here in my Zoom screen, forking the horns at you. That's bullshit. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm sure you're going to make sense of this. Go ahead. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Sure. No pressure. (laughs) So living the story includes internal dialogue. It includes that visceral, physical reaction that we get when we feel something, as opposed to telling a story where there's no visceral reaction, there's no emotion necessarily, or it's not explained fully or shown fully. It's just told. So if I say... Susie uh, ran into John at the market and was upset to see him after so many years. That's telling. But if I say Susie ran into John at the market and her stomach began to cramp because she hadn't seen him in so many years, I'm showing you. Okay, so wait a minute. The only difference between those two is her stomach is cramping. Once you said she was upset to see him, isn't that show? No, that's that's me telling you that she was upset. If I went to show you that upset that she's upset, I will say that her stomach cramps. All right. So 
In the Venn diagram of writing, what's the overlap between deep POV and show VTEL? In deep POV, you are showing because in deep POV, you are fully within the character's point of view. You are fully within their mind. Okay. So in your Venn diagram, the deep POV is, is a circle within the show circle. So, okay. Well, I think we can make this a very short podcast. Is deep POV show and shallow POV is tell? Shallow POV is, is in that, that middle, that overlapping period part, because it could be either one. Okay. Can you, just using your creativity, give me an example of shallow POV show? Let me see. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is kind of crazy. Susie meets John at the market. This is our, this is our. Wait, is our- I have, I, I have just something that I wrote a while ago. Okay. Um, as an example of telling, okay. Susie took the freeway to John's house, knowing there wouldn't be much traffic at this time of day. Okay. Okay. I'm telling you, she took the freeway to John's house. It could also be an entire scene. Okay. So when I went downstairs, Lloyd was there. I hadn't seen him in ages and I just couldn't resist giving him a big hug despite the glare from Pam. I was so happy to hear all that he'd been doing in the past year. He gave me a complete blow by blow, which even Pam looked interested in, even though she'd probably heard it all already. What a fascinating life my old school friend lived. Okay. That's tell. That's tell. Why? That is a shallow POV of tell. (laughs) Okay. You're making me crazy. Please, please identify the phrases in that passage that make it show there are none it's not show because i am telling you what happened did you not just say it was show my god the whole thing's oh no i'm so did i say it was show i thought i said it was tell i think it's tell it is tell okay good (laughs) okay so that's a tell although that's a tell because why do you think it's tell well, uh, I think because you could you could get much more into, I think you could you I think you could deep POV that passage and explain that Pam what what did Pam do Did she glower or did was she ups What was the first? yes She was upset. She was she, she was, was glaring. Right. I could say I felt pierced by her glare. Right. You could you could you could indicate that her eyebrows were drawn down into a fierce scowl. Mm-hmm. Um, which would sort of deepen the POV, but it's not entirely shallow because there is, I was so excited. Um, what a fascinating life. She was excited and jazzed. Right. But I'm telling you that she's excited. Not I'm not so. showing it. All right. Okay. So I, you know what? I am beginning to see the difference between show and tell which in my simplistic version is show is deep POV, tell a shallow POV. Show also, show also usually includes description, emotion, a physical reaction usually, and dialogue. Okay, show is dialogue? Show is dialogue. Because uh, you're experiencing this along with the characters. Okay, here is, 
Here's a tell. I went to the store and met John. The strawberries are on sale, he said. Buy some. I mean, that's dialogue, but it's very shallow. Exactly. Right. So dialogue can be show or tell. Dialogue can be show, show or tell. But for something to be really deep, you need more than but you just- could, I mean, you could even say, I met John at the market. I divorced my wife, he said. It's not, it's not an, it's not an inconsequential statement, but it's not. Okay. I think if, I'm just. If you follow that up with, I, I nearly screamed for joy or, right. or I had to, to bite my tongue to hold back my scream. Right. Then, then you're showing because you're, you're adding that visceral reaction. I am, I guess my point is I've, I've written on a piece of paper, show and tell, DPOV, shallow POV, and dialogue seems to appear in both of them. I, it's harder for me to understand that dialogue is a show, not a tell. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I met John at the market. He told me he divorced his wife. That's all tell. I met John at the market. I divorced my wife, he said. That's more show. Yes, exactly. So, so dialogue is better placed if you have to put it in one section or the other. Di- dialogue is show. Yes. Of this list that you've given me, description, emotion, physical reaction, and dialogue, which all comes under the title of show, do any of those four things not belong in deep POV? Description, emotion, physical reaction, dialogue. I don't think so. Okay. So, yes, yes, it seems that way to me too. But you said, I think what you said before was that you can have a shallow POV show. Yes, because... I'm grilling you. I'd like to apologize for the belligerence, no, no. dude. <laughs> no, this is good. I, this is why I love talking with you about writing craft because you you always force me to to parse things out. <laughs> for shallow POV, you have less visceral reaction. You have less internal dialogue. That's what makes it shallow. You can still have the description and the dialogue. You can even have some internal dialogue, but you don't have that deep visceral reaction. You aren't fully engaged in the character's mind for shallow deep POV, shallow POV. In deep POV, you are fully within their mind, fully within their body and experiencing everything that that character is experiencing. So you can have shallow POV, and still have it be show. Did that make sense? It does. It does. And now that we have these elements, I'm wondering, tell shallow POV, I met John at the market, he told me he divorced his wife. Show shallow POV, I met John at the market, I divorced my wife, he said. Show deep POV, I met John at the market, he was looking, uh, I felt a tingle because he was so attractive. I just divorced my wife, he said. Adrenaline surged through me. This was my chance at last. Right. If such a thing, aha, I'm about to hit you with it, tell deep POV. No. Okay. Okay, there you go. that for a definitive answer? (laughs) Mm, Unless you're a surgeon saying the visceral reaction was. (laughs) Gushing from the wound. 
<laughs> okay. Well, now uh, it helps me. This helps me a lot. There is no deep POV tell, but there is deep POV show and there's shallow POV show and there's shallow POV tell. But writing it down helps. I'm sorry to say that when no one else can see my list. Let me ask you this question instead. How do you decide in your book when you should show and when you should tell? That is an excellent question, and I was hoping you would ask. (laughs) (laughs) This one I'm ready for. (laughs) Okay. The reason a lot, it really annoys me when editors say show, don't tell, because, and New authors take this as some sort of golden rule that you should always show and never tell. It is not true. Telling is extremely important in a novel. What telling does is it compresses time. So in my typical example that I happen to love is Susie got up. She Susie hit her alarm and stumbled out of bed. She tripped over her jeans and made it to the bathroom where just in time to to pee. After that, she brushed her teeth, brushed her hair and stumbled downstairs to find some coffee. Okay, I'm showing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm telling, I am showing you everything that- You're telling, you're not showing. No, I'm showing you because I'm giving you great detail, okay? Um, and I, if I were doing this properly, I would be saying, you know, her stomach was cramping and her bladder was too full so much that, you know, she was about uh, to lose it on right, her right. way to the toilet, right? Okay. I'm showing you every step that Susie makes from bed to coffee. Mm-hmm. Do we need to know that? No. God, no. <laughs> if I simply said Susie stumbled stumbled out of bed, went through her morning ablutions, and made it to the coffee maker in one piece, mm-hmm. that's all we need to know. We don't okay. need to know every single step that she takes along the way, unless it is important to her character development and showing the reader what sort of person she is. Right. So okay, time compression. And it's also, um, I want to say, it's it's omitting unnecessary, it's omitting extraneous. Yes, exactly. And I think that is a really important point because sometimes I read a book that bogs down because the author doesn't know that you don't have to write every single thing that happens from here to there. Exactly. We don't need to, it's just like with writing dialogue, when we meet somebody by happen chance in the supermarket, say, you know, Susie and John, the first thing out of his mouth is not going to be, I got a divorce, most likely, unless it's really, unless he's, he's eager to, to share that. Right. The first thing out of his mouth is going to be, hey, Susie, how are you doing? I haven't seen you for the longest time. And then she's going to come back with something along the lines of, wow, John, what are you doing here? Hey, look, strawberries are on sale. Right. Eventually, after all of the small talk, he's going to come out with, hey, I got a divorce. 
in a novel, we don't need all that small talk. We don't want it. We can't. I mean, it would be boring beyond belief to put it in. Right. We cut right. straight to the chase. Hard enough. You don't need to see it on the printed page. <laughs> Okay, but let me ask you, let me let me ask you for a little clarification here because it's challenging, it's challenging for a new writer and maybe for an experienced writer as well to walk that line between tell in order to compress unnecessary details and the obviousness of only including details that are fundamental so that you can't layer in subtle detail, you can't make you go, oh, wait a minute, you did mention strawberries were on sale four chapters ago. Eureka, that's the answer. The plot is now solved. There is a, there's a tricky balance between write spare clean copy that allows the reader to slip through the story without even realizing it and include enough detail so that the obvious clues aren't quite so obvious until later. Is there a way? To know how much detail to put in? Yeah. How do you how do you mask in a classic suspense you get the red herring. You get the the knife lying on the kitchen table which actually has nothing to do with the murder. It's li- it's literally there to distract you from the gun in the cupboard. Right. So how do you how do you plant enough detail so that your story is rich and not obvious and not have so much detail? that you are describing the doorknob every time someone tries to go into the dining room, right? Yes, it is. It is absolutely a balance and you have to use your best judgment. I'm sorry. Um, You as a reader, because you are a reader and every author is a reader and we read an incredible amount and we have been doing so our entire lives. And not only that, but we watch movies and we watched that movie where the knife was sitting on the table and he opens up the cabinet to get out a bowl for his cereal. And there happens to be a gun there. He shoves it aside and goes for the bowl. We've seen that movie. So when we are writing it, we know to happen to mention both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there has to be a certain amount of instinct involved. But I but I I I will continue to worry, I think, over show or tell as I work to, you know, for me, deep POV has been a bit of a for a lot of writers, it's a bit of a challenge. You have to, it's not just writing long, right? You can do it in in a in a couple of words, you can get into the deep POV. But when you should not be in deep, deep POV. When it's more important to tell, that doesn't mean that you have to leave out detail. Well, that's a very good way of looking at it. You can still tell. So, so in my example of Susie getting up and, and making it to coffee, if it's important to know that she stumbles over her jeans on the floor on her way to the bathroom because that that shows us what sort of person she is stumbling over his jeans oh yes she could be stumbling over his jeans um she's stumbling over a pair of jeans if that's important then we can say we can put in that one detail without going into further detail about 
her peeing and brushing her teeth. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. I would refer our listener back to our second episode on deep POV. Absolutely. Because I think these two are linked more than a year later. It's still a challenge for me to, um, to, to know, to have the instinct of when to go deep, when to go shallow, when to show, when to tell. But here's my theory. Awareness is the first step. (laughs) (laughs) But it actually is. It truly is. Because you know when you are proofreading your book, when you're editing your own work after you have finished writing it, and only do it after you have finished writing it, please, then you know what to look for. You know what to make sure is there. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. As you are doing book coaching, and you read someone's manuscript of someone who knows that they could benefit from some guidance, do you just circle huge paragraphs and say, tell this instead of showing? I mean, how do you handle? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I will put in a a comment on because I always do it in Microsoft Word. And so I'll just highlight, you know, the end of a paragraph and say, why did you tell me this instead of showing it? Or why did you show this instead of telling it? Exactly. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that would be, you know, that's interesting because it would be useful as I'm learning show versus tell to have that as an exercise. You know, yeah. this, this should be show, this should be tell. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the instances when someone does too much showing when they could be telling is, I mean, obviously the result is your book bogs down. If your book is dragging in places, possibly go through and see if you can tell instead of show. Yeah. Consider how important it is that you show everything that you are showing. Because maybe you could tell it instead. Because maybe you could tell it instead. Do we actually need to know about Susie's bladder problems? (laughs) Be an interesting book. Uh, (laughs) But I think that's a that's a that's sort of a fascinating concept because I've heard a lot about people saying, uh, uh, "Here comes my cat. She'd like to weigh in on this issue." A <laughs> soggy middle that you got a great beginning, you've got a great ending, but the middle is soggy. So if you have a middle that drags, perhaps it's an opportunity to see if you couldn't tell more than show. Yeah, usually with a saggy middle, it's because um, the the author has lost the impetus to move forward with the story. And they're, they're kind of, they're searching for a way to get to the more exciting part. And then that's when the book sags and, and, and drag. And because they're, they're spinning their wheels in and not quite getting any traction to move forward. You know, that's funny because lovely Kathy Seidel said to me early on, she said that just don't write boring parts. Yes. Skip entirely. Just don't write them. But there are things that need to happen in the boring parts. Um, All right. Just come up here then. Excuse me. Excuse me, listener. Here comes the cat. (laughs) Kathy Seidel said, uh, just don't write the boring parts. But there are things that have to happen often in the interstices to link two exciting parts together. And if I did that with a tell instead of a show, everything would be suddenly 
cleaner and quicker and easier. And that would be an instance when tell was a very powerful tool. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've told you this before. I once took that advice to leave out the boring parts. And I ended up with a very spare book. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to go back and put them in afterwards. (laughs) We take Hemingway as our example of someone who writes very, very clean, right? There's very little detail in Hemingway and what, what is there is essential. And he wrote, you know, classics. I don't happen to like them myself. They're too fucking spare. But Right. They're too spare and they're too short. And so if you only write the exciting parts, then it it doesn't quite work. Well, there is a rhythm. There's a rhythm to anything you do. There have to be, you have to build to a crescendo. There has to be something to build. You can't just go crescendo to crescendo because then everything is uh, is all too loud. But exactly. there are opportunities, I think, if your middle is sagging, if it's boring, I think there's an opportunity to say, perhaps I can get to the ex- next exciting part more rapidly by taking some of this show and turning it into tell. Yes. All right. All right. I'm happy with, with show and tell. And would you say show versus tell or show and tell? I say show and tell because you need both. All right. All right. So now I am armed with something that will protect me when an editor says show, don't tell, or when anybody show, don't tell, which apparently is one of those easy phrases that people just whip out in order to intimidate new writers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. New writers do not listen to show, don't tell, because it's just not true. All right. You've heard heard it here. (laughs) You've heard it here. Randy, BC Deeks. Yay. to our podcast and we love them all right meredith next up i think we're going to talk about next week we're going to talk about is there an ideal schedule that you can consider for when you should write something how much time it should take to publish something and what's the best what's the best rhythm for your marketing schemes and i'm going to start off with the simplistic moronic version And then you're going to say, here's something you haven't yet considered. And then I'll be grateful to you. Okay. Let's see if I can come up with something. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an ideal schedule? I mean, don't tell me about it yet, but do you have an ideal schedule? I have my own schedule. But the thing is, is that everybody has their their own individual schedule. And sometimes sometimes it works and and sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next time. I learned a lot putting out these books that I'm putting out now. So uh, I I stepped into some bear hole traps so you don't have to, darling listener. All right, Meredith, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Prue. I think that this was very interesting because I always like to be reminded of these writing craft things as well, because (laughs) I'm a writer too. I am struggling to put out my books and, and get them down on my screen. And so going over these writing pieces of writing craft remind me of what I should be doing. And I'm not always doing it. And so, you know, I I have ideas in my head now that maybe I should go back and and change that scene that I just finished writing or or whatever it is. Well, the premise is that first you learn how to do something, then you apply it. And the final level is, can you teach it? 
because that's where what you've learned before sort of solidifies in your DNA. So that's true. You're you're at a you're at a more exalted level than me. But we knew <laughs> that. That's been clear. All right, Meredith. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Prue. Bye. That's it for the writer's block party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.